Man, it's my privilege to be with you this morning. My name's Alan. I'm one of the pastors here at the Vineyard. Last week, we launched this brand new series entitled, I'm fine. Wait, 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 that's not quite it. I'm not fine. You know, interestingly enough, the default answer to the water cooler question, how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, that's, a, that's just an expected reply, appropriate socially, but misses regularly the reality of our lives. There's often a deeper truth, and man, if you didn't get a chance to hear Kurt and Ken open us on fear and faith last week, go back and find it on the interweb and listen to it. You'll be blessed by it, and I, I think your life will be just enriched by going back and listening to that. But last week, Kurt did such a great job of reminding us that in these water cooler conversations of life, there's often deeper truths to be revealed. And sometimes for those truths to be revealed, we have to slow down and get honest. Assessing ourselves, being familiar with what's going on inside of me. And I'll just tell you, my life on autopilot takes no assessment of how I'm doing. It doesn't. My disposition in life is head down, one foot in front of the other. Head down, one foot in front of the other. However, when I pause, when I slow down, when I reflect and get in touch with what's really going on inside of me, there's a freedom that comes to me. And let me be really clear about it. There's a freedom that comes to me that can say, with great joy and delight, regularly, I'm fine. And I ought to do that when that is the case. However, there are regular moments in my life when that is not the truth. And I should also have the freedom to say, I'm not fine. I'm tired. I'm discouraged. I'm afraid. I'm anxious. I'm sad. I'm lonely. I'm angry. I'm hurting. I'm hopeless. I'm depressed. I'm weak, and not conclude that with, eh, I'm fine. You see, we can leave the reality of what's going on inside of us as an ending, hanging statement about ourselves that needs no explanation to anyone for any reason. It's self-assessment. It's what's going on in my life right now. Well, today, it's my privilege to continue in our series, I'm Not Fine. And today, I want to invite you to a slowing, assessing, honest, and transparent experience 
with God. And so last week, we opened up and we took a look at Jesus, his teaching in the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to continue in Matthew. If you have your Bible, your smart device with you, we're going to Matthew 11. We're going to start with verse 25 and we're going to end to the end of that chapter. Uh, Verse 30, I think, is the end of that chapter. But today we're going to continue to listen to Jesus. Can I just say, when I listen to Jesus, listen, listen, when I listen to Jesus, you know what? No matter the circumstance, my life is better. No matter the circumstance, my life is better. Listening to Jesus is a good thing. And as we listen to Jesus, we're going to see him declare through storytelling called parables and through heart reading called insight and wisdom, revelation. The song we sang, he was prophesying. He was prophesying. He was speaking the truth. To people just like you and me who need to hear the truth. Who need to hear the truth. Jesus says this, when the truth is revealed to you, you will know it. And the result of that revelation is freedom. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Truth doesn't imprison us. It releases us to liberty and freedom. And we can run right up to the boundaries of life and stop without going over them in rebellion. Because the truth has set us free. Man, that's not even in my notes. I'll be in trouble if I don't pin this down to my notes. So we're going to continue Looking at the gospel of Matthew, the parables, the kingdom stories of Jesus, and let me say it really clearly. In all of the kingdom stories of Jesus, I'm understanding that there is an invitation. And so today, I want you to perk up your spiritual ears, and I want you to hear the invitation of Jesus as he speaks to the crowd and as he speaks to the disciples these words of invitation so Matthew 11 25 through 30 I don't usually do this we we don't often do this but I'm going to read this passage it's a short passage I want to read it to you in two versions okay I, I think there's some benefit in it and so two versions NIV first right necessary in vineyard Oh, I, uh, look at there. Ken got me set up for that one. You know, uh, dad jokes and pastor jokes. Sometimes none of them are good. Um, Matthew, Matthew 25, from the, uh, from the vineyard, I mean from the NIV. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. 
Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Comment. Jesus loves. Jesus loves for us to get it. This is what the Father does. He reveals. He reveals. He reveals life and love. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom he chooses to reveal him. Here's the revelation. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, right there is where we draw our thought for the day. The revelation is this. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. You know what? The last 18 months of pandemic have made me tired. I don't know about your world, but my world's been turned upside down. You know why I'm tired? It's because my routine has been stretched and pulled and turned and it's still being stretched and pulled and turned the invasion of work has filled my house and there is no freedom from my work because it's always around me I don't know about you that's that's what I'm experiencing I'm experiencing the anxiety of uncertainty you know what anxiety does to us it does the same thing that stress does to us. Stress, that sense of you get all upset about something and a rush of adrenaline flows through your body and now you have to do something with it and adrenaline always fuels us to fight or flee. Do you know what? Anxiety does exactly the same thing. The uncertainty of the system in which I live creates anxiety, but I don't per perceive it as anxiety. I want to pass it off as something that's easily handled and no big deal really, except you know what anxiety does to me? It keeps me up at night. You know what being up at night does to me? It makes me tired in the morning. You know what being tired in the morning does to me? It makes me tired all day. This is, this is what we've been living with. Uncertainty creates anxiety. And today in this passage, I want you to notice that Jesus is familiar with the human condition regardless of pandemic because he understands that we are all weak and that we are all weary and that we are all burdened with the worries and anxieties of life and as we wrestle with them fatigue sets in and we are in need of rest. He just describes the human's the human problem. But he doesn't leave us hanging with the problem because now he's going to open up the door. He says, now take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The message. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've always, you've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled it out, uh, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Me. Me. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Now, Jesus resumed talking to the people. But now, tenderly. Jesus is compassionate to our condition. Jesus is compassionate to our condition. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of the father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does nor the way the son does but I'm not keeping it to myself I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone who's willing to listen are you tired worn out burned out on religion come to me Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Wow, what an invitation. What an invitation. So as we begin this quick exploration of this passage, I want us to do something to prepare ourselves to receive it. All that we've been doing this morning is a preparation to continue to receive the presence of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who are here now among us. I say that confidently because that's the promise. That's the promise of Jesus. Two or three, done. Where you are gathered in my name, there I am with you. Present with us. But sometimes we need to do something. Not meritorious or earning it, but preparation to receive it. Attentiveness. Attentiveness, aware, awake, cued in, expectant to receive from the one who is present among us. 
So right now, I invite you to open yourself to receive a refreshing of the spirit and life. This is Ruach, the wind of God that fills our lungs and our hearts and our minds with life and refreshing love. And so as we lean into this, my prayer for you, my prayer for me, and for us together, if you're in the building or not, if you're watching this some other time, this is available to you. And so this is the refreshing of spirit and life. And so my prayer is this, that you and I will sit in the long and loving gaze of Jesus. You know, almost every time I meet with my spiritual director, he says these words, well, let's begin like we always begin. And I, like 99.99999% of the time, know exactly what's coming next. Let's, let's, let's prepare ourselves to receive. And he says, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you will allow Alan to sit under your long and loving gaze as we talk about all the things that you are doing in him. That's my prayer for you. The long and loving gaze of Jesus is on us. And we want to rest in that. You know, the reminder of the songs that we were singing simply is this. Jesus cannot love us more than he already does and he will not love us less you are loved i pray that you'll have the honesty and freedom with yourself to be transparent before father son and holy spirit and I pray that you receive the invitation of the hope of Jesus, which is rest. To fill you with life in the very midst of your fatigue. So I ask, breathe upon us, breathe within us, and through us for your glory and our good and for the good of others. This I ask in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now I want to invite you to live in that posture for the next few minutes as we just unpack this passage. So here are some thoughts about finding our rest in Jesus. 
One of the interesting things about finding our rest in Jesus is discovering the revelation of who he is. In our exponential series, we visited and revisited the preaching of the first followers of Jesus as Luke recorded in his two-part teaching, Luke Acts. And the first six, seven, eight, nine, ten, I, I didn't count them all up, but the first several sermons of the first followers of Jesus are all about the God-man resurrected to life who is dependable and who cares for us and who loves us and who has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves because he is God and he is man and he is forever ascended to the right hand of the Father. And so, so there's this revelation of truth. Well, Matthew, before, before all of that resurrection happened, records Jesus teaching about himself and Jesus says... The reason that we turn to him is because he is our resting place simply because of who he is. And he declares that simply by saying, the father knows me, I know the father, we're tight, we're connected, we're relationally, we're relationally engaged in a loving perichoretic dance, that's a fancy word to say that when you look at the three in relationship you can see them as individuals but the dance of beauty is such that they're never separated from one another because father son and spirit are a dance of love that overflows to us so that therefore we are the great recipients of that overflowing love you are loved because that is who Father, Son, and Spirit are. They are love. Overflowing love. And He is our resting place as He makes that love known to us, revealing the intimacy of relationship between Himself and the Father and implied in the Spirit as well. And so he says in this passage that he's known by the Father completely. He knows the Father and the Father knows him. He says that he's empowered by the Father. He says the things that I'm doing are the things that my Father does. Can I take you back to a previous sermon series? Jesus is a 13-year-old boy, his mom and dad, and he, along with a whole caravan of other folks, were fulfilling their obligations for religious um, action. They'd gone to the temple, and on their way home, they'd, they'd celebrated the feast, and on their way home, Jesus gets, remember, Jesus gets separated from his family, and for a little bit, they're not upset, but then they realize, whoop, where did he go? And they can't find him. Day and night passes, and he's lost, and... Um, they're, they're a little frustrated. You know, moms and dads, when you lose your kids, you're frustrated, right? Find them hiding under the clothes rack. You're frustrated. Jesus was found hiding in the temple. When they found him, he wasn't concerned at all 
I just love Mary's words to him. You, you got to hear it like mama. What in the world do you think you're doing? That's what she says. I mean, she really says, why have you done this to me? And I, I 13-year-old Jesus, you know what 13-year-old boys can be like? He wasn't like that. He said, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? That sends Mary and Joseph into some pondering. They're holding on to the revelation of who he is. But then the gospel writer says, out of that experience and encounter, he says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and men. A 13-year-old boy has become a 30-year-old man. And what we discover about Jesus is that he's still about his father's business. And he says to us in multiple places in the Gospels, don't you know that I have to be doing the work of my father? You see, Jesus is known by the Father, but he's also empowered by the mission of the Father. And then he just reveals the heart of the Father to humanity. You're loved. You're loved. You're loved. I know your condition. As, as Eugene Peterson says, he begins to speak tenderly. I know your condition, and you are loved. Moving on. He's our resting place. If we're going to find rest, we will find rest in humility. In humility, we enter in to rest. Now, I've got to go quickly here. Because I'm bringing in some new text from Matthew 11. This is your homework. Go back and read it. But I'm going to run through it really, really quickly. Jesus talks about people, and in one instance, he says, you're like spoiled little children when they're exposed to the revelation of the good news of the Father. And in another place, he says, the punishment that should come upon you is crazy because you have not acknowledged the good works of the kingdom that were present among you. So let me just unpack it. In um, Matthew earlier, uh, Spoiled Little Children, there's this, there's this place where our learning and our wisdom and our pride create layers of resistance to Jesus and his kingdom. In this passage, Jesus says that those layers of learning and wisdom and pride misappropriated are not helpful to us. And so when John the Baptist appears on the scene, he was just a weirdo. Like he wasn't what the revelation expected. He was a crazy man living out on the 
fringe of town wearing crazy clothes and he did not eat a regular diet that was familiar at most tables. Locusts and wild honey. And he had a powerful word of repentance as he prepared the way for Jesus. And you know what they said about him? He's a crazy man. And then Jesus shows up. And he's loving and kind. And he goes to every party. He's so social and, and so friendly. And he's so, at so many parties. You know what they say about him? He's just hanging out with drunks all the time. Crazy man. I mean, nobody can be that happy. Something must be wrong with him. And so this is where Jesus then says, you've been like about the revelation of John the Baptist and the revelation of Jesus because they failed to receive it. He said, you've been like spoiled little children sitting in the marketplace. And the spoiled little children say this, we played, we played happy songs for you. And you didn't dance. You know why? Because John was too serious. They just rejected it because he didn't. Their, their expectation wasn't met. They were expecting something other than John. But then Jesus shows up and they're expecting something other than Jesus. And it says of Jesus, we played a dirge for you. We, we were sad. We were introspective. We were, we were focusing on what we thought you would want of us. We prayed a dirge for you, and you didn't mourn. Jesus was just too joyful. The actions of spoiled children, unmet expectations. And then he goes on to some cities and some places where Jesus did great works. And you can read the names of those cities, but he says of them, there were miracles abundantly occurring in those cities and he talks about some cities that received the judgment of God that showed up and he says you know what you think they had it bad you deserve it worse than they did because you resisted the good works of my father and the good works of the kingdom and you know why he was upset is because their hardening of the categories kept them from receiving the good work of the miraculous power of the kingdom present among them in abundance. You see, the question for us is, will we be people of humility? Jesus, Craig Keener says, Jesus ushers in a day of grace. But by refusing to repent... And actively opposing the kingdom's advance, the towns in which Jesus preached reject the ultimate saving grace and power of Jesus. So let me say to you, humility in this instance is learning Jesus' identity, who he is, while living in a relationship of active discipleship another way to say that is active imperfect obedience humility is living into the identity of Jesus with active imperfect obedience so to learn of Jesus 
is to be surrendered to his love and leadership. His love and leadership. And I'm done really quickly. So what does this do? Humility brings us to this place where I can say, resting in Jesus is a journey. It's a journey. If you're going to live into anything, it's a journey. It's not one decision. It's one decision and another decision and another action and another this and another that. Line upon line, precept upon precept, layer upon layer, brick by brick, stone on stone, however you want to describe the construction of our souls. It's an ongoing journey with Jesus. Because he says in the message, get away with me and you'll recover life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. That imperfect understanding of Jesus' identity and and living into that with imperfect obedience. Learn the unforced rhythms of my grace. Warren Wiersbe says, the more we learn about him, we find a deeper peace because we trust him more. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you will trust him. Life simplified, what we learn is life simplified and unified around the person of Jesus and our imperfect following and discipleship and obedience. Resting is a journey. In our resting, we discover that we are loved. I I just don't think we can say that often enough. We're loved. In our resting, when we take the yoke of Jesus on us, we're learning to release our holdups and hang-ups. We just let them go because in obedience to Jesus, we let go of what he asks us to let go of. But also, in our releasing of things, the other side of that is the receiving the things that he gives us. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, who gives without discretion. Every good thing we get comes from him. We receive it. We receive it. And finally... Jesus is fully engaged for our good. He says he won't lay anything on us that is heavy and burdensome. Just read on in Matthew 23, 24, 25. The religious leaders of Jesus' day loved to to add heavy weights of expectation to their followers. It's always weird. You know how we judge things like that? We judge what other people ought to do with a thumb on the scale weighted toward an incredibly unreachable, you know, expectation. So much so that the religious leaders were asking of their followers things that they knew in and of themselves they could not do. That's the heavy weight. Jesus never puts his thumb on the scale to weight the heaviness upon us. Matter of fact, he's always just taking stuff off. 
you don't need that and you don't need that and you don't need that and you don't need that let go of that let go of that let go of that receive that in its life receive that in its joy receive that and it is fruitful and multiplying see Jesus is always working for our good because a yoke signifies another's rule and authority and so let me just close it all up here right now who is the one who has full authority in Matthew he's laying he's laying the groundwork for what is said in Matthew 28 and this ties it up for us and that's simply this Matthew 28 Jesus is getting ready to ascend back to the father and he says to those who are standing there he says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. A-L-L. Capital. Loud. Clear. All. 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 All authority. All power. Go. And while you are on your way, teach others what you have learned from me. You are loved. You are empowered. You are necessary. In your proclamation of the goodness that God has done in you and for you. Teach them everything I've taught you. And here it is. Here it is. And I am with you always. Even to the end of their, the very age. In times of uncertainty Jesus invites us to find our rest in him you know why he does that <laughs> because he knows that we regularly look for rest in all the wrong places he just wants to make sure that we know that he is a safe and secure place where we can lay our heads and give him our whole being to be received, loved, and cared for. I'm not fine. That's okay. Jesus is good with that. Because when you can say, I'm not fine, you can also say, Jesus, I know your rest. You see, the reality of transparency is you can be truthful about exactly what's going on in your life while simultaneously holding the hope that Jesus is just about ready to infuse his love and his life in powerful ways that fill you with hope. And you did nothing except Express your need in humility by saying, help, 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 
I'm in trouble. This is what's going on. And then when Jesus shows up with boxes and gifts of his love that you haven't identified, you're willing to receive them because it's his good grace that brought them to you. Stand. As I was praying this week, one thing came to my mind that I struggle with. You know, preaching sometimes is about the preacher. It it always comes through the vessel. So God, God speaks to me about things that I need while he speaks to me about things we all need. But we live in a strange culture. And one of the things that was heavy on my heart this week that I just know is a possibility that it's heavy on your heart as well is simply this. The cultural water in which we swim regularly applauds fatigue. It regularly applauds fatigue. That water cooler conversation? How you been? Busy, 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 busy. I don't tell you what I'm busy at, but I'm busy because you know what? People are impressed when you're busy. Just, you know, I mean, that's like impressive to most people in our culture. Oh, wow, you must be really important if you're busy. Not. And this is, this is what happens. There's cultural rewards for busyness. There are cultural attaboys, slaps on the back, words of affirmation. You may even, you may even climb the ladder of success in your busyness. But can I say to you, this is what, this is what came to me so clearly, and I'll just read what came to me. In our applause of the illusion that we are self-made individuals, we often idolize fatigue. Here's the question. Have you with me ever found yourself wearing fatigue as a badge? of honor my soul is empty and dry and I need the breath of heaven and the water of life but look at how tired I am because of all the stuff I'm doing you know one of the things that we've collided in is because previous to COVID there was often a large reward on your investment of fatigue. I mentioned it, climbing the ladder, adding to your bank account, I mean, harder you work. You know, I mean, this meritorious world we live in functions on fatigue. And I want to tell you, that's not the way of the kingdom. It's not the way of the kingdom. Are you tired? Are you weary? 
Do you need rest? Let's transparently give ourselves to the rest afforded us in Jesus. If you've never received Jesus as the one who's the giver of life and rest, and it makes any sense to you at all today, it's because the Spirit of God is speaking to you. And so the invitation to you is to come if you're weary and tired and laboring under a heavy load because the rest of Jesus is available for us and to us. Fatigue in the ministry of Jesus is met with grace and invitation. And Jesus loves us to step into his yoke because his yoke is easy. His burden is light. And in the words of the old song, I'm changing it to a question. May we find it so. May we find it so. I'm going to pray a prayer of closing. If you would like to receive prayer for any thing that's working in your heart, maybe there's something about resting and finding it in Jesus that you'd like to come and receive prayer or any other thing. When I'm finished, there'll be people who are part of our team, small group leaders and people who love to pray for others. If you're available, would you come while I'm praying so that people will know that you're available? So now, Lord Jesus, as we begin, I ask again, that you would do your work in us and through us. Breathe upon us. Breathe within us. We receive that breath, the invigorating breath of the Spirit. Fill our lungs deep with the rest of your spirit, the breath of your spirit. And as you breathe upon us, we recognize that it is for your glory and our good. But never for its end there, but that your rest and life would invigorate us to simply Show others the source of rest and life that we've discovered in you. Breathe upon us now by your Spirit. We ask these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Lord be with you until we meet again.